You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Atlanta Realtor Rundown. My name is Kate Wright. I am one of your hosts, and I am here today with the lovely Emily Hanley, who's going to be talking with us about working with first-time buyers. I'm super excited to have her, and I'd love for her to start by introducing herself. Whoop, whoop. My name is Emily Hanley. I have been licensed for just over four years. I live down in Grant Park with my husband and Minnie Golden Doodle. Um, I'm from East Cobb, so I do a lot of business in the suburbs too, but definitely love in-town work. I probably work like an hour from my house. However, that takes me a radius of an hour. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you work with a lot of first-time home buyers. I do. I do. I got licensed at 23. So the pool of people willing to take your phone call and meet with you is definitely majority first-time home buyers. Makes sense because like your sphere is just coming into you know adulthood. Yep. And so majority of your clients likely were first-time home buyers as you were getting going. Exactly. So you're the perfect person to be talking to about this. I love it. (laughs) I had a similar journey, so I I think we can have a fun conversation today. Uh, The first thing that I wanted to kind of hit on was just how you prepare your first-time homebuyers when they come to you. Um, What steps do you like to take with them, and what is your process for getting them onboarded and going in the the homebuying process? Yeah, so I feel like with first-time homebuyers, the process starts before really any other buyer or seller because they don't always know their options. They don't know that they can buy a house or they don't know what the process looks like. So usually it's like a DM on Instagram and they're like, this house that you're in is so cool. And then it's like, oh, do you want to go see it? And they're like, can I? Right. (laughs) Yes, you can. Or maybe they're like, you know, I have always wanted to buy one, but that's so hard. You know, I, I have to wait three years and it's a question of why. And then they tell you and you get to talk about it. So uh, the process, I feel like, starts a lot of the time with them asking questions or reaching out about something that isn't, hey, I want to buy a house. It's something else. And then by educating them and helping them along the way, I'm able to then let them know they can't if they wanted to. You know, this is an option. This is how we do it. Lending is so important at that step because they're going to have so many questions about the numbers and how it works and Maybe they can, but is it a good idea? Because that's a whole separate conversation. Exactly. And so having um, a lender who can walk them through and hold their hand just as much as I can and educate them on that side of things is so helpful. And then once those two things fall into place, we are ready to go. So your first steps would be educating them, sitting maybe sitting down having a buyer consultation, or how do you do that? How do you educate them when they reach out? How do you maintain control of the situation keep them guided in the right direction and ensure that you guys are being productive on the journey. Yeah. So I feel like there are so many different ways it can go. Cause sometimes you have people, we never want to come across as salespeople forcing you to buy a house. That's like the worst thing you can do. So for the buyer or the potential buyer who is so nervous about the numbers, I love to just defer to the lender on that. So in mm-hmm. that one, it's like, well, Hey, let me give you resources so you can feel confident in this decision Let me be the connector because I can't answer all those questions for you on if this is a good financial decision. I don't want to step into the water. Like, that's not my job. But I can connect you with someone who can. So sometimes for that person, that's the first step. My usual first step is going to be a buyer consult. So set up a time where we can get coffee and chat. And depending on how well I know this person, if we're friends, then we'll just go straight to coffee. If I've never met them, usually it's a phone call. 
like, hey, why don't we hop on a quick call and you can tell me a little bit about your situation, what you're looking for, ideal, perfect world, what does that look like? And then usually they're like, okay. And then we can hop on a call, set up the coffee. And then from there I do a deep dive and really educate them on the timeline more than finances. So it really just depends on where their questions are for where I can direct them. Because then once I connect them with the lender, I can easily follow up. Hey, and now that you have that, like, do you want to learn more about the process? Right. Is this working out? Because sometimes it's an easy no. And they're like, oh, no, it's terrible. It turns out I don't have any money. My credit's terrible. And, like, I can't get a, a house. And you're like, okay. I'm so <laughs> glad I could help you right. with that. And now you have someone who can help you change that, mm-hmm. right? Build your credit. Do these. Make smarter decisions in X, Y, Z way to help set you up for success. So I feel like it's meeting them where they're at. Great answer. I love that. And guiding them in whatever way is suited for their timing and their needs. Exactly. And I also think it's important to point out, since we are all, you know, mainly probably talking to real estate agents, that protecting our time is also important, but it's also protecting their time. Yeah. You know, to have coffee with every single person who ever reaches out to you is probably unrealistic. But to be able to set the expectation of what's going to come next and what you need from them before you start meeting is clutch. Yeah. So you have a, I would assume you have a lender partner that you feel really confident with that understands how to work with a first time home buyer that makes you look good and you make them look good. Yeah. And so once you guys get that going and you have that pre-approval, then you know you can phase into the next part of the home ownership journey. Yeah. So when you um, meet them for the first time, do you feel that there's a lot of any, anything in particular that you have to go over, especially with a first-time home buyer, that you might not have to go over with somebody who's got a bit more experience or has already transacted before? Definitely. And I also think it's worth noting, I mean, I have gotten so much business from having no expectations for the first consult mm-hmm. because whether it's taking someone to see a house and they're not pre-approved, I've never gone coffee with them before, but I've also, you know, never talked to them. And all of a sudden they want me to show them this house. I've turned that around, got them under contract in like just a few days. Mm-hmm. So it, I think being willing to say yes to the first step of everything, I'm not going to say I don't, I know filter it. But at the same time, if someone's reaching out and wanting to do some, we'll call it semi-aggressive things, like <laughs> seeing a house or getting pre like these are kind of big things because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pulling teeth to have some other clients. You've like... They six months, you're like, can we please go see homes? They're like, nah, I don't see anything I like. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, do you want to buy a house? So when you have someone who does want to, it's kind of like taking that momentum and running with it. Uh-huh. So I do, I think it's important to protect your time, but I almost am more cautious after the first meeting. Like, I actually will go get coffee with anyone. Okay. Because I've also had that turn into business where it didn't work out for them, but then they had such a great buyer consult. They're like, I feel so educated. This was great. I loved meeting Emily. I'm going to refer her to my friend because she's looking too, and I'm not ready, but she's totally ready. Like, she's getting married, and, like, they need a house. And so it sets you up for success, and I think it's just a really great way to where you meet everybody with the same next steps. So that way in friend groups and across the board, everyone is having the same experience. It's just consistent. That's a great point. So then when they're all sitting around together, because I, I mean, my whole business is referral-based. And so that's like meeting friends and infiltrating friend groups. And my favorite thing is like showing up to a party six months later and realizing I've sold a house to everyone right, <laughs> in the right. room. And they're all like, this is our realtor, Emily. <laughs> and so that's so fun. 
But it's great because then they'll meet and be like, oh, did she show you her buyer book? And oh, yeah, did you all talk about isn't that crazy? And you know Mark the Lender? And it's like they all get a sense of camaraderie with it. Sure. And so I think being consistent and like I have my process down. I know when to like draw the line and when to not. So it doesn't feel like a waste of my time. That's a great point. But I'm meeting them again where they're at and like offering value the whole way. Right. I I actually love that you said that because – I see how what I just said could have been maybe misconstrued for like, don't go to coffee with anyone until they get a pre-approval. And that's probably not the best way to build your business. <laughs> what I mean by that is just not running, letting yourself be run ragged by people who aren't actually in a position to buy or aren't genuine about their intention to buy. And the worst thing that can happen to a newer agent especially is to get run ragged by mm-hmm. somebody who's not actually ever going to buy a house. Right. So like you said, just knowing your limits, knowing your, you know, when you come to a wall and say like, you know, you know, we've been meeting or we've been discussing this and I'm not seeing that we're making a lot of progress. Like, will you, can we revisit this when you see things that you yeah. feel more conf- confident about or something like that? So I, I love that you kind of clarified that for me because I, you're absolutely right. And the way that you're doing it sounds like the best way. What do you do when you're meeting with people who are actually starting the process and you're preparing to go look and you know that they're serious? How do you set expectations with them up front about what you're going to be doing for them and what you expect of them? So my, I do a buyer consult, which is part selling myself. So, hey, how are you? Tell me about yourself. Like, let's bond, form a connection. We're going to be friends. This is great. And then the latter half, I, I have yet to break an hour. I'm like, consistently, it's an hour long. And I try every time. I'm like, I'm going to talk less this time and do it faster. But it's just, it's always an hour. Mine too. (laughs) And I always say like, maybe 45 minutes and it's never. No, it never. And the times that I want it to be shorter, it ends up going longer. And then, but it's all good because it works, right? So the first 30 minutes is mostly diving into them, their life, what they like. What does that look like to live in this neighborhood? Or like, what do you do on the weekends? Tell me about your life, your dog, like anything human to human. And then the next 30 minutes, I pull out the contracts. I printed them out, and they're in a book. And I walk through. I mean, the contracts spell out exactly what's going to happen. Purchase and sale. Start at the top. Get a survey if you want one. You have to order one. I can't pay for it. It's going to have this turnaround time. Don't call me at closing being like, oh, hey, did we get that? Like, no. If you didn't order it, we did not get it. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you now, if you know you want that, let's keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And I'll remind you, but, like, I'm telling you now. Right. Go down. Purchase price. That gives us a chance to talk about the market, what's happening, closing costs. First-time home buyers are always so surprised by this. So it's like, this is extra money that you need. Right. Think about it. Know it. Now, in this market, we can do fancy things, right? Like, get them covered by the seller. That was not a conversation we could have for the past two years. You have to adapt. (laughs) Yep. So now this, we can reintroduce that idea. Keep going down. We got due diligence, earnest money, closing date. Like, you walk them through the whole thing. And so also I like to preface it with, I don't want the first time you're seeing all these or hearing these words to be when I'm also saying, all right, offers are due in two hours. Let's do it. Exactly. And then they're always like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. They walk away feeling informed, educated. They have their questions answered and they feel taken care of because we're like being proactive and going out of our way to make sure that they feel good. And you're setting that expectation early of like, here's what I'm going to provide to you. This is what this might look like. Here's what you're going to need to know when the time comes. Because 
we all know, anyone who's done any transaction, even just one, knows that when the time comes, things get a little emotional and they get mm-hmm. a little bit chaotic. Yep. And so if you can explain that on the front end and walk them through the processes on the front end, when the time comes, you're saving yourself a lot of time, but you're also helping steady the emotions and the situation by having pre-walked through these things. Exactly. I think that's brilliant. I hope that I wish and hope that every realtor would do this <laughs> or real estate agent in general, just everyone. So you're meeting with them, walking them through the contract. You talk to them about when you go through these things, just like things that could happen or, um, you know, things that they're going to feel. How do you work with a, a first time buyer and, because you can't explain something before it happens. And mm-hmm. we know every transaction's different. Yep. But are there anything that any things that you in particular see that come up nearly every time with first-time homebuyers that you know I have to hit this nail on the head now? So uh, tr- learning by trial and error. So uh, for the seller's property disclosure, I would send that over when I, like, you know, was a younger agent. And uh, I would send it over, they would read it, and I wouldn't really like make any notes on it. Mm-hmm. And then at one time at a walkthrough, they had taken the fridge, which they could do. But me and my client had never discussed that there mm-hmm. wasn't going to be a fridge when they moved in. And they were very unhappy. And technically, I didn't do anything wrong. But also, I could have said something. Correct. So now in my buyer consult, whenever I go through, I'm like, okay, now the most important thing here is the fixtures list. So when you're looking at this, make sure to read because you don't want specifically that fancy fridge to be gone when you thought it was going to be there. And they're always like, oh, yeah. Right. So I think I always talk about the fixtures list. And again, now that you you get more experience, you know what to look for and like how to point it out. But it just makes it easier. And I think... One thing that I really try to drill in to them is like you have so much control in this situation because you do have a lot of information. Like when I'm walking through the financing contingency, that is one of the things that people wave constantly in this new market. And so now just letting them know, kind of educating them on other strategies that people do, not under the assumption that they have to do it, but just saying like, okay, especially, you know, when the market was a little bit crazier and we're talking about due diligence like all right now some people are going to completely waive this you don't have to do that but just know that we're going to go up against offers that will do that and we can talk about it in more detail every home's going to be different mm-hmm. but just so you know that's what other people might be doing and if you lose an offer to that that's t- like you drew your line in the sand you can feel good about it no one's going to make you do anything you don't want to do we're just walking through these options. Right. And then they're aware and they can't come back and say like, well, Emily, you didn't tell us that other people were going to be waiving every contingency on right. the offer. Right. And you're like, no, we discussed it. <laughs> and it's a really good opening door to where if they say like, if you're talking about the financing contingency or maybe waiving the appraisal or something like that, and they are immediately like, heck no. Oh, that is so, I can't believe people do that. That's so stressful. It's like, all right, write that down. Conservative <laughs> does not want right. to do that. It's like, you don't have to totally understand, you know, every home's different, but it's just a good, it's good that they know what's happening. But then it's also, I think, a good learning lesson for the agent to just see, you know, it's feel good, out their client. Yeah. You're getting good feedback yeah. on what they like and what they don't like. Well, and you're also giving them the opportunity to start thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting to the moment, and realizing, oh my gosh, there's 10 offers, which, you know, maybe we're, we're scaling back a little bit, right. but we still have They're totally those a competitive market in a low inventory situation. Yeah. So maybe instead of the moment they get to that offer, having to first think through these things or first try to start processing, potentially waiving that appraisal contingency or some other contingency, they've had time since that very first meeting mm-hmm. to be 
holding it in the back of their mind, considering would we be willing to do this for the right home? Right. And when the time comes, they might not have even told you because this has happened to me. They might not have even told you they'd be willing to. But when you find that house and they get in that situation, they're like, you know, we've been thinking about it since we met with you that first time. And we said, you know, privately that we'd be willing to do this if it was the right house and we feel like it is. Yeah. And so it, it gave them an opportunity to, to kind of simmer on it and prepare for it and allot some money and, you know, maybe talk to a family member. I've had a, a situation where someone was willing to have someone back them with gift money if they needed it. Lucky for them. Yeah. But they've had time to kind of maneuver and strategize themselves without you being all in their grill. Right. And ultimately, like you said... This is the buyer's decision. This is the buyer's life. It's the buyer's house. We're just here to be the vessel to help them get into it, advise them, um, guide them. I tell my clients, especially the first-time home buyers, you're behind the steering wheel. You have all the power. I'm in the passenger seat, but I know the town really well. <laughs> you can listen or not. Ultimately, it's your choice which way you turn. Yeah. And so I'm here to help. I'm here to guide. I'm here to, as a resource, but I'm not making the ultimate decisions. Yeah. And so I love that you're doing that and walking them through that contract and you know, enter um, putting that information out in front of them early helps so much. And a lot of newer agents or maybe less experienced agents with buyers tend to think that that's not that important or all they really need is a pre-approval when really educating that buyer is so important for the entire transaction, even to the closing table. Yeah, because they walk away and it's like a whole new world. So then when their friends are like, oh, are you going to buy a house? They may say, oh, well, you know, I met with Emily and I learned so much. Did you know X, Y, Z? Turns out I don't have the extra $10,000 for closing costs, but now we have a timeline. Emily was great, blah, blah, blah. And like you're really adding value Absolutely. to them. And the contracts, I don't do all of them. And I've definitely walked away from some consults where I was like, I shared way too much. Like I probably just scared them. Oh, no they doubt. They don't know how to do, they don't need to know how to do my job. Like I, <laughs> I need, I can filter that a little bit more. They don't need to know every what if, but like the purchase and sale, the loan documents, property disclosure, community association disclosure, those one. assessments, mm -hmm. if you don't explain those on the front end, again, I <laughs> learning lesson. I've mm -hmm. been in sticky situations where you're under contract and then they get one you can't back out for it. It's not a re like once you sign in, you're mm -hmm. in it. And uh, you don't always know. Like sometimes you need to get the meeting minutes to see if it's just being discussed so they know. Like those are sticky. So added that into my list of what I talk about. Right. Specifically to talk about that. And then um, the property disclosure and then the exclusive buyer brokerage agreement. Right. Just to explain, like, hey, so this is how all of it works. Just like your core forms. And right. then, you know, if you need to add something later, then you can – discuss it later, but you've already gone through the core right. core forms and they've had time to digest yeah. that. Because they don't need to know everything. And then no. when I when it's time to write an offer, so what we'll do, because everything, you know, you walk them through, you talk about it, but until you put pen to paper, it's all just theoretical. What will we offer if we offer, right? Nothing's real until they have signed it. Correct. And even then, like, has, you know, <laughs> that doesn't always make it a real offer. So uh, what I'll do is I have an email template where it has everything spelled out of the questionable terms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, closing date, due diligence, earnest money amount, price, all the good stuff. And I'll put in, all right, guys, like either this is a range of what I think could be competitive based on the seller's feedback. I think this closing date would be good. Definitely communicating. This is all flexible, but let's mm -hmm. just get the ball rolling. Right. And I'll also have like little asterisks below of like closing costs. You can find this with the lender. Don't like double check that. 
like the appraisal content, this is what that means. And just a little bit more to refresh and then they can see it all in one place. And I found that to be really helpful. And then I'll also have like additional add-ons because sometimes too, they'll come back. Well, my friend, you know, they, they wrote an offer and they did something that's called an escalation clause. And why didn't we do that? And so I then wrote out like all the things that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's like these, we're just going to call these add-ons. Like you like, like option That's money, brilliant. Just stuff like that. And I write out what it is. And it's always like, let me know if you have any questions. But that way it's all in writing. And you can be like, oh, well, no, like we maybe didn't talk about that in the buyer consult because it's like I'm fire hydranting you with like yes, all of the information. Yes, fire hydrant to the face. Yes, totally. Of all information. But it's there like in writing and the email and like it's always an option. Right. Because some buyers, they're really tentative and you don't want to be like, and if you want to pay even more money when I know you don't even want to pay this much money, uh-huh. but you're going to have to to win the house. Like you don't, you know, again, we don't want to be pushy. Right. But it's a good way to give them the information without pushing it and making sure, again, the ball's in their court. And they can always make the decisions. And you gave them all the information. Exactly. I love that. I'm going to add that to mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the email template. So all I have to do is like well, go in, fill it out. It's easy. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you have a situation where you know it's maybe not in their best interest or it's not necessary to do something. But then they come back, like you said, and they say, well, my coworker was saying that they did this. And you're like, well, that wasn't really the best fit for this situation. And I talked to the agent and they didn't really want that. But I right. didn't explain all that to you. Right. So it's like how much... That's a, I like how you're putting an email, but it's like, how much is too much to have to share with you versus am I keeping something from you that I didn't intend to keep from you, but I'm just trying to do my job right. and you didn't know it. Right. So giving them that email template where they can see every possible scenario or option, or like you said, add on yeah. is such a great idea. I love that. What do you think, you know, the whole process obviously is labor intensive with a first-time home buyer because you want to do all the hand-holding and make sure that they feel fully comfortable. But what do you think is your biggest hurdle when working with first-time home buyers once you're already under contract? Ooh. Inspections with mom and dad. <laughs> that. Any family member coming yes. to a deal. Well, I think inspections in general. And I think, you know, for a moment there, it was just so discouraging for them because they're paying top dollar for a home and you're just, they're not going to get anything. And so if the home's falling apart and you're the highest sale in the neighborhood, then it's just kind of like, no, but you got the house, you know, let's right. take our wins. And uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm sure now people are like, oh, you mean I could have a crappy house with a 2.5 interest rate and it could be the most expensive one in the night? Na- like, I would love that. Right. But in the moment, you know, it's hard. So I think the inspection period has always been the hardest. And what I've learned through the years is get good vendors who you trust to give you good quotes. Not the highest quotes, not unrealistic quotes, but quotes that are actually like a good middle ground. Right. It's not going to be the cheapest, but it's not the most expensive. And I think that, and they can do the work so the buyers can meet them, feel comfortable with them. They're set up for success after closing because I've also been there when like they pick their own and they have a second opinion or something and they kind of you're like, why didn't so-and-so tell me that X, Y, Z? And I'm like, I actually am not a structural engineer. I have no idea, but <laughs> why don't you call them? You know, like uh-huh. let's, we can figure it out, but I'm outside my territory. I don't know. It, like, you know, renovations and all that. So uh, having people who can be there for the whole process, start to finish for that client and who can give realistic quotes so that way you can work with the listing agent, with the sellers to get to the finish line. Because everyone wants, if you're under contract, everyone wants to close. Yes. And if there is something wrong, people typically want, you know, they get it and they want to help. It's just 
no one's going to pay an extra $5,000 if they don't have to. Correct. And it makes you look like you don't know what's going on. And then, you know, you have your timelines and it's just stressful. So getting vendors who can help you address the problem and come up with solutions quickly that you trust. Right. And because we would, we, it's pretty safe to assume, we can assume that a first time homebuyer does not come to you with a vendor list because they have not had to experience (laughs) electrical repairs, plumbing repairs, landscaping issues, water drainage, gutters, roofing. They've never been in a home to find or navigate that yet. And so your vendor partners, I think are gold Mm -hmm. to them. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients, even you know, seasoned buyers or sellers come to me and say, can I see your vendor list again? Or do you have an updated vendor list? Because what we do is like, we don't just add value of like, here's how the contract works and here's how this works and this is what's going to happen. But we are like the full resource for the entire transaction. Right. And realistically, we are the point person for the lender, Mm -hmm. the attorney, the vendors, the inspector. Every single part of that transaction ties back to us and our client. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that you pointed that out. Because I think a vendor list gets overlooked by a lot of agents, and it is clutch. It's so good. So because how do you first-time homebuyers too? Though they're scared of everything. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, the gutters aren't ideal, and they're like, oh, the gutters, and you're like, no, the gutters. Like that's fine. We can work with the gutters, and they're like, I don't know. I mean, do we need to back out? Like earnest money's protected, right? <laughs> it's like, it's, wait a minute. We need to get a professional who can tell you the cost of this. That it's not that bad. This is home maintenance. Like. Comes with the territory. Yes. Yes. Because they're scared of everything, which is fair. They have no experience. Right. But it's like someone needs to tell them that's not us, that's not financially, like, you know, involved in the situation, who can tell them how to fix it and level up concern here. Right. Like what to do. And that's what I was going to say is how do you kind of deal with the, deal with the fear that comes along with a first-time homebuyer? But I think, I think you've kind of already answered that question because you've equipped them with knowledge, you've positioned them with good people, and you are available to them to guide them and give them that perspective. So that is definitely a way to conquer the fear. I know when family members do get involved, it can get a little tricky. <laughs> we could probably do a whole podcast about that. So we'll just kind of <laughs> glaze over it and hope yep. everybody figures that out. But navigating that can be interesting. And I have found personally, and maybe you can quickly confirm or deny, that involving the parents um, can get a little messy and reminding that the clients that this is their home, it's it's their responsibility and it's their decision, especially if they're married or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe I understand a single female who's like, I really want my dad to come look at this with me. But being careful about navigating with them and reminding them, hey, I really love that your parents care and they're involved, but ultimately this is your decision and I need you to focus on this being your responsibility and your, you know, you saw this house, you loved it, you did the work to get here. How do you, how do you do that with them? Well, I think it's hard because sometimes you don't always know where the money's coming from. And so you can't, I'm always very hesitant to cut out mom and dad because also think like mom and dad have helped you with everything. And we just met a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever want to place myself in the inner circle when I'm not. Sure. But I do think that I have buttoned up my uh, communication style in the inspection report. Like, you can come to me, but I'm going to defer you to an expert. So you're always going to get the information mm-hmm. from an expert. And mom and dad, like, if they want to talk about, you know, their personal experience when they bought their house and XYZ, it's like, oh, I know. You know, 20 years ago, the market was crazy. Don't you? We all wish we could buy our first house for $120,000. Anyway, so this house is XYZ, and this is, like, <laughs> completely different. And you're not – I mean, I think it's – I try as hard as I can to be empathetic – but then also not let them 
run the show or like, right. you know. I think that's where I'm going with it. I don't I don't like exclude them, but I have to remind my clients is like you could, you found this house, you loved yeah. it, and if there if there are issues that you genuinely feel for yourself are concerning enough to terminate or, you know, not be happy here, then you need you make the decision. Because they're the to. decision makers, yes, even yes. though mom and dad are just like and in I their lo- ears. I love the parent. A lot of times, I even get a kick out of parents who give me a run for my money, right? Uh-huh. Like, I love when a family member comes and tells me everything they know about their home purchase 20 years ago, like yeah. you said. I mean, I get a kick out of them. I enjoy them. I like to communicate with them. But ultimately, I have to bring it back to me and the client. Yeah. So. And every once in a while, you do get that one parent that's like, wait, no, this inspection's totally fine. Like, I can fix that. Y'all are good. Yes. And the kids are like, Oh really? And the parents like, "Oh yeah, you're fine." You're yes. like, "Yes." The reinforcers. I love mom and dad. <laughs> yes. Every once in a while yeah. I get a reinforcer too and I I'm so grateful and I always tell them like on the side, I'm like, "Hey, you're I love that you're encouraging yeah. them like this. It really means a lot." So, I know we are limited on time. We could probably talk forever, but I want to wrap up today by asking you one last question and that is, what do you think is the most rewarding part about working with first-time home buyers and Okay, it's a two-part question. I lied. <laughs> How do you also make sure that you retain their business in the future? So uh, my favorite part of first-time home bars is usually you're capturing them at a specific life stage, and uh, I love keeping in touch with them afterwards. I mean, I always write on my cards. I'm like, don't be a stranger. When's happy hour? Let me come over, please. And I always follow them on social media, and I think that's such an easy way because you get their updates. It's not like they have to call you. Mm-hmm. And so I love seeing their life change. Like, we just helped some clients a couple months ago. Um, I met her. She was single had a, got her condo in that time she met her fiance they got married they got pregnant we just moved them into their next home Aww. and it's so sweet because it's like I knew Nikki before Brad but like now I get to work with both of you and just like planning your and life the baby. and the baby <laughs> baby's not here yet oh, but okay, okay, excited okay. for the baby to come <laughs> so it's just like being with them through these life stages and like seeing the engagements the babies the job changes the promotions mm-hmm. all of the fun exciting things that come just with like doing life with people and I think I try really hard to celebrate those milestones with them regardless of if it means buying another house or not you know sometimes right. it's sending cookies if they had you know got their promotion like congratulations you got engaged let me send you something even like we have their address a handwritten note right something just anything to let them know that I'm like still their biggest cheerleader and I'm so excited for them not Mm -hmm. only on closing day but on all the other milestones after that right and I found that that it builds a really sweet community because then they're cheering for me too like when I post, you know, end of year, this is what I did. They're like, this is amazing. And you're like, oh, you still remember. This is so great. I love that you remember me and you're happy for me. And they're like, I send you all my friends. And it just creates a really sweet community where everyone's cheering for each other. And I love it. I love my clients. I know. It (laughs) is special. It is very special to have those connections with clients. And it I also work a referral business, and so I can say that it it does make it feel like one big, huge family, and that too is special. But I think the coolest part about what we get to do with first-time homebuyers, and you you kind of hit on it, is that we get to be a part of some of the biggest moments of their lives, and it's not something that I think you nor I nor many people who listen to this take lightly. Yeah. And we get to – I know it's it sounds like corny, but like we really get to be an intimate part of that because we're picking – Helping them pick and solidify a home. Mm-hmm. And meet mom and dad. Like, how many of your, like, friends now do you meet their parents? Right. That's kind of like, like, why would you ever, you know, maybe right. like a wedding or something. But, like, you're meeting their friends, their boyfriends and girlfriends and their favorite people who are going to come 
you know, who they're inviting in. Right. And you get to be there and be or, a part of it. Exactly. Or get, just get to be inside of the walls that they're going to share their most special moments yeah. with and, you know, help them help them get into that. It's just, it's it, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the sentimental value because we're so busy doing the work. Yeah. But then when you get to the finish line, especially with the first time home buyers, I feel like it's just like high fives to everybody. Yes. Yeah. So. And they're always the most excited. Totally. That's they're not what I like mean. jaded sellers or they're they want just the pictures. Excited. They want to decorate and yeah. shop for furniture and have the parties. And you're like, you again, you just cheer them on. I think of moments like um, <laughs> I've had clients where they're like newlyweds and the husband at the walkthrough carries the wife through the door. And just like, you know, you have these chills when you start to think about some of these first time home buyer experiences or people who've worked really hard. I mean, I've had some people who were first, the first homeowners in their entire family. Yeah. The first person to own a home in their entire family. So just having those moments is so special. And I think it's nice to sit back and realize that, you know, it's usually the first time home buyers that are most appreciative, but to have that and be able to do that for them. And I know you do a really good job. I, I, I admired the way we've been able to co-op and I admired the way that you navigated and helped your, your buyers through the process. So you were the first person I thought of oh, for so working sweet. with first time buyers and we appreciate your time. We thank you for coming in and being a part of ARA and we look forward to seeing you around. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, we'll have your info um, in the uh info section (laughs) (laughs) whatever that is podcast terms i don't know and um thank you so much emily of course thank you for having me thanks thank you for tuning in to the atlanta realtors rundown please subscribe and for more information on how to get engaged check us out at atlantarealtors.com we look forward to having you join us for the next episode